A week ago, uh, Alan, one of the elders here, taught the uh, Bible class, adult Bible class, and he talked about how sometimes different words mean different things. The meaning that we attach to a word because of our culture, etc., doesn't necessarily carry the meaning that we hear in Scripture. He spent the uh, time last week talking about hope and how hope so often in most of our minds really amounts to kind of wishful thinking. We hope this happens. We hope that happens. But in the Bible, when we read about hope, it's like it's a certainty. We can have a hope in Christ. It's a certainty. It's a trust that we have in Christ. So I was really blessed by that teaching, and I think we need to remind it, be reminded of that all the time in our studies because sometimes we let our surroundings, our environment, our culture define what God is trying to speak to us through the Word. And today we're going to talk about fear. Fear. You know, when you say that word, it almost screams at you. Fear. And immediately our mind goes to things that scare us. Things that present themselves to us that could cause harm or danger. And we get this sense of anxiety. Maybe it stimulates the fight or flight type of thinking in our bodies and in our minds. Fear. And when you read the Scriptures, if we look at this, there's, there, there's got to be more than one meaning to the word fear. Because if there's not, it really gets confusing when we read different Scriptures. The title of the message this morning is, What Does It Mean to Fear the Lord? To fear Him. To fear God. I've shared this illustration before, but it's one that sticks in my mind so well. It's when I was in Russia. I was talking to a grandmother after a meeting and I asked her if she knew God. And those that have been here many years could probably finish the illustration for me. But she said yes. And I says, how do you see God? And she says, I look into the sky and I see a throne. And God is seated on it with His back to me. And I am trying to, in this life, work my way closer to God. And every now and then, He turns and looks over His shoulder at me. And if I'm doing well, He just turns His head back and lets me continue to approach. But if I'm not, He disciplines me. That is not a biblical fear of the Lord. That is a fear that is not biblical. That is a fear that would bring anxiety, worry, a sense of failure. It's not a fear that brings any type of internal change from the inside out. That is a fear that doesn't edify anybody. That is not the fear of the Lord. You know, if you look up definitions of fear in our dictionaries, you can find a number of different ways, but they all say about the same same thing. It's a It's a feeling or an emotion caused by belief that someone or something is going to be dangerous to you and inflict some kind of pain upon you. Fear. As that noun is a verb, it simply means you're afraid. But when we look at fear, we need to remember, first of all, it is a human emotion that's been given to us by God. He put it in us. So fear does have benefit to us. Even that fear that causes us to recognize danger or something that is threatening threatening us, whether it be someone or something. And it gives us an opportunity to remove ourselves from that thing, to take the necessary precautions. 
So in that sense, that kind of fear is still a gift from God. But that fear that just gets deep settled in us, which it can happen easily, that brings great anxiety and worry, no longer God. That fear that God put in us is now being used by the enemy to control us. Ungodly fear, unbiblical fear is powerful. It will control us. We don't have to look far. Look in our world today, our culture today, our nation today. People are being controlled by fear of a virus. Not that it's real, not real. Not that it's something that we should be concerned about, but we shouldn't be trapped by this fear and controlled by this fear. The political garbage that's taking place in our nation, the, the differing opinions, the lack of unity, the strife, it's all worthy of being concerned about. But it should never grab a hold of us and bring such fear that it brings anxiety and worry and controls us. That kind of fear finds its source in the enemy. Not in God. When we look at the definitions of fear that we see in a dictionary, it can really confuse us when we look into the Scriptures. Now, it's not very often I take things from Martin Luther, but today's one of those days. Martin Luther struggled with this same concept of when he was studying scriptures about fear. He would read certain scriptures, and yet, like, okay, and you read certain scriptures over here, and okay, but they're in direct conflict to one another if the definition is the same. For example, in 1 John 4.18, many of you could quote this verse, may not know where it's at, but you could quote it, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Perfect love should cast out fear. The love of the Lord. Perfect love should cast out fear. But then in Deuteronomy 5.28, where we're at in the study of Deuteronomy, it says this, and this is the Lord's words, God's words. He says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me. And keep all my commandments always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Okay, there, God is clearly saying, I want you, my children, to fear me. But perfect love casts out fear. Obviously, there has to be a difference in the meaning of the words. And that's what I want us to try to focus on today and understand Because in the Scripture, it tells us over and over and over, Old Testament, New Testament, that we are to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord. And it's easier to describe what that means than it is to give a clear definition. It certainly includes the awe and reverence for the Lord. God wants us to be in awe of Him. He wants us to be in wonder of Him, as we sang this morning. He wants us to reverence Him. He is a holy and righteous God. But He also desires us, out of that awe and reverence, to have a desire to obey Him. A desire to live a a life in a way that brings pleasure to His heart. There should be a fear of the Lord in me that causes me to abhor sin. I hate sin. There is going to be a judgment day. That that fear, the knowing that there's going to be a final day of judgment should motivate us to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. A fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord. 
Sometimes we get confused, Old Testament, New Testament. I want to remind you again this week, it's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. In the Old Testament, the fear of the Lord and love of the Lord, they're connected. They're connected. Nowhere in Scripture are we encouraged to embrace that negative fear. What Martin Luther came up with in his studies was what he called the difference between servile fear and phileo fear. Servile fear is a kind of fear. and This maybe will help you like it helped me to understand. This kind of fear, it's spelled S-E-R-V-I-L-E, servile fear. And it's a kind of fear that a prisoner might have who's in jail and, and the torture chamber is next door and he's constantly waiting for the jailer, the executioner, whoever it is to come and just beat on him again. It's that kind of fear, a fear that's filled with anxiety. It does not edify the prisoner whatsoever. It does not bring about a change inwardly and works its way outward. You know, we can't have this kind of fear that will cause us and change our behavior a little bit, sometimes a lot. Look what's happening in our world today again. There are behaviors in some of us that we would have never thought possible because we are afraid of this virus. Now, don't hear me wrong. We should be concerned. We need to be careful. I get all that. But not this fear that's killing us inwardly. And that's what's being talked about. The surveilled fear is that type of fear. That fear is never encouraged anywhere in Scripture. Then there's filial fear. And this fear refers to a fear that a son or a daughter may have towards their mom or dad. To that child, mom and dad are their whole world. They're everything that gives them security. Their trust and confidence. They have a fear that they do not want to disappoint. They don't want to hurt them. They don't want to do anything to damage the relationship with them. So out of the fear that they have of their parents, a different meaning, flail fear, they want because there's a love connection between the parent and the child. And I fear my parents. That's the veil fear, filial fear. A fear that is an inward fear. That love has changed me inside and it works its way out through me. It brings about an inward change. It's an edifying fear. That's the kind of fear that when we talk about the fear of the Lord, that's what we're talking about. That type of fear. So there is, in a sense, a good fear and a bad fear. Now, can that be confusing? Sure it can. Let me give you an easy it's easy picture that helps us understand good and bad for the same thing. Anybody in here have high cholesterol? You don't have to raise your hands. I think I do. But when they give me their readings, they say, hey, you're, it's not good, but your good cholesterol is high. Your bad cholesterol is kind of going up. There's good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. It's all cholesterol. Good cholesterol is a good thing. The better, the higher levels of your good cholesterol, the better your health is. As the bad cholesterol gets higher, your health is deteriorating. The good fear that is in us, that's leal fear, that's an awe and a reverence and a trust in God because of love is a sign of good spiritual health. This fear over here that's consuming us and controlling us and causes us to be filled with anxiety and worry as it rises in us, 
sign of our spiritual health is declining. I, need, I think we need to understand this as we look at the Scriptures about fear and what it really is. Another way that we could look at the different types of fear is this. This is not an original thought with me. I stole this. It's this. There is a fear that love removes, and there is a fear that love brings. The fear that love removes, perfect love casts out fear. But as we love, there is a fear that comes to us, a fear of the Lord. When we look at this, we can see the kind of love that it cast, the kind of fear that love can cast out. Most of us are familiar with the story in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sin in Genesis chapter 3. We know that they sin, they eat of the fruit, they look at each other and go, uh-oh, we're naked. And they cover themselves. And then it tells us in Genesis chapter 3, in, in verses 8 through 10, that they, they hear the Lord walking through the trees in the garden. In the cool of the day. And then it says, they hid themselves. There is a fear that causes us to hide from God. There's a fear that could cause us to run and hide from God because we don't understand Him. And what does God do? You know, God knew where they were. Amen? They weren't that good. But He says, hey, where are you at? We're here, Lord. We hid because we're afraid. and We're naked. God called out to them even in their fear, and they were hiding. Out of His love for His children, wanting to draw them back, He called out to them. He's a seeking God. God seeks those who will worship Him. The kind of love that drives out that fear that would cause us to hide from God. You and I mess up, but we don't have to hide from God. We don't have to be fearful that this God who loves us so much that He offered His Son to die for us is going to take out a stick and beat us to a bloody pulp. He's not going to do that. He's going to draw you back to Himself. And when He does that, it's not always pleasant. I acknowledge that. The consequences of our sin can be painful at times. But we, if we know who God is and know His heart, we know His perfect love, it will cast out, drive out that fear that would cause us to hide and run from Him. Not only cast casts out, casts out that kind of fear, it also casts out a fear that keeps us from serving Him. Serving Him. Most, again, all of you are, you can read about this in Matthew chapter 25, but it's a story where the, the master's going to go on a trip and he gives his servants, three different servants, some talents to keep for him. One he gives five and he invests it and he gets ten when the master comes back. One he gets two and he invests it and he doubles it and he gets four when the master comes back. And the third one, what did he do with it? He dug a hole in the ground. Why? Because I know you are a master who reaps what you have never sown. You're a hard man. Of course, the master condemns his actions. The reality is he didn't know his master. He didn't know what kind of master he was serving. If he had, he would have done something with what the master had given him. 
if we know our Master, His love will drive out that kind of fear that causes us to think somehow we're disqualified for serving Him or that somehow if we don't do it right, He's going to punish us. There is so often God has called you who He has gifted and who He's given talents to. He's called us. But the enemy starts whispering those lies to us that you don't know enough, you can't do it right, what if, what if, what if. And we are afraid of failing. We're afraid of failing. We don't know our Master. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. If He's called you, He'll guide you. If we mess up, He'll pick us up. We don't have to. Perfect love casts out fear that would cause us to be afraid of serving Him. There is or are fears that love brings. I want to share a Scripture in Psalms 130. If You, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with You there is forgiveness. Therefore, You are feared. If we think of that feared in the wrong way, that Scripture makes no sense. Why would I be scared of, filled with worry and anxiety, towards a God who's forgiven me all my sins. But there is no greater example of the love of the Heavenly Father than Him offering up His own Son as a sacrifice on a cross and dying and shedding His blood for us to forgive us our sins. Oh gosh, that kind of God is to be feared. He is to be held in awe and reverence that would bring us to that place of wanting to please Him to honor Him. Biblical fear of the Lord, when we begin to understand it the way I believe God intends us to understand it, is something that in each one of our lives should be cultivated. It should be something that's growing and increasing in our lives. The more mature we become in our walk as a Christian, the greater we understand who the Heavenly Father is, the more we understand about what Jesus really did for us on that cross through His death, burial, and resurrection the more we see and have this trust and confidence in Him, there should be just a greater sense of awe, a greater sense of reverence, a greater sense of wonder, a greater sense of fearing the Lord as we continue to grow. There was a church in the early days. It was probably the best church there's ever been. Who knows? But in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, so the church throughout all Judea through Galilee, and through Samaria, enjoyed peace, being built up, and going on in the fear of the Lord. What's that doing there? And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. A healthy church. There should be a healthy biblical fear of the Lord. The problem is, in most churches... Sadly, most Christians, there's very little fear of the Lord anymore. It's not fear or love. It's fear and love. Fear and love. We'll see how they are so connected. The church in the book of Acts was a healthy church filled with peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord And then in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, 
Church, we all know about Pentecost. We all know what it means to be born again. We all know, I believe, and understand that the Holy Spirit now lives in us to help us, to guide us, to strengthen us, really grow a fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord. A church with a fear of the Lord hates sin, has a great respect for God's commands and wants to be obedient and follow Him. Church with the fear of the Lord and the people with the fear of the Lord would dread the thought of offending a God who loves us so much. So I'm going to go through kind of quickly, and there's going to be scriptures, and I'm going to show us seven reasons why we should cultivate a fear of the Lord. Now, I would love to take the time in each one of these scriptures, and actually the scriptures I've already shared, to give you complete context of what's taking place, but I wouldn't have time. So I want to encourage you, if you can or if you want to, write down the Scriptures. They'll be on the screen. But go and look at the context surrounding them. It gives even greater clarity to what God is speaking to us. Seven reasons to cultivate the fear of the Lord. Number one, fearing the Lord will give you wisdom. What's the Scripture say? In Psalms 111, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Beginning of wisdom. When God carries a weight in your life, when God is important in your life, when, when what He thinks matters in our life, when you do that, when that's important, it's amazing that you'll make wise decisions. You'll ask yourself these kinds of questions. What would God think of what I'm doing? I have a righteous fear of the Lord. I don't want to disappoint Him. What would God think about the words I'm speaking? What would God think about the thoughts that are going through my head when I stand before Him in eternity? When we have a righteous fear of the Lord, out of an amazing love for Him because He loves us so much, those are the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit will use in our lives to apply the brakes, so to speak, of us going towards sin. Without this fear of the Lord, we make a lot of bad choices. And when we make a lot of bad decisions, we go down the wrong path. What it really does is mess up our lives. Fear of the Lord. Beginning of wisdom. The second one, fear of the Lord will help keep you from sin. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. This is the chapter where the Ten Commandments were given. Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. If we don't understand the two different meanings, this verse is confusing. Do not be afraid, but if you do the good, God will be, the fear of the Lord will be with you. The fear of the Lord will keep you from sin. The Holy Spirit will hold us back. That awe and reverence that we have for God. When we feel that impulse to sin or the, the temptation to sin comes, 
There's a fear of the Lord that will prevent them, stop us. You know, that same type of fear, when it's coming out of love, again, coming out of love, will prevent us from doing a lot of stupid things in a lot of different areas of our life. If we love as a spouse, for example, if I love my wife because I know she loves me, when temptation comes, no matter what she looks like, there is going to be an awe and a reverence to the one who loves me that will prevent me from making a stupid choice. There would also be an awe and a reverence for God who would prevent me from making a stupid choice. It will keep us from sinning when there is a fear of the Lord that God desires us to have in our hearts. The third one. Fearing the Lord will motivate you in evangelism. Most of us will say, well, I know we're supposed to evangelize, but wow, they're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to reject me. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to do all these things. I get it. I know that. I've been there. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't have those thoughts. But if I have a fear of the Lord, it will motivate us. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. This is Paul writing to the church. And we're going to look at a second scripture where he goes to the love that compels us. They're so linked together, this fear and love. But it says here, and since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. Paul says, you know, if you read this in context, you see, you know, there's going to become a day of judgment. There is going to be one. God's going to come back. And everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. It's going to be. You can count on it. I trust Him. I know Him. I fear Him. There is a fear of the Lord. It's such a great motivator that it's going to cause me to try to persuade others to know Him. And he goes on in 2 Corinthians 5.14, which I do not have up there, I don't think. He says, for God, or for, excuse me, for Christ's love compels us. So the fear of the Lord, the awe of the Lord, knowing who He is, and knowing that He is not just a God of love, He is that, He is love, but He is just and righteous and holy also, and there will be a day of wrecking, that fear of the Lord causes me to try to persuade men. But in verse 14 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, it says, for Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Again, you, you, you know where we stand as a church when we talk about the love of God. You know that it's an unconditional love for each and every one of us that know Him as our Heavenly Father. But we can never forget there is going to be a judgment day and there is a place called hell. There is a place called hell. And when a church forgets about hell, it will not persuade us and compel us enough to share the good news of the gospel. When we understand those things, that will compel us to share the good news. You know, a church that doesn't understand that may do a lot of good things socially. They may help a lot of people, but they're not going to evangelize very long or very much. 
Because it's hard work. It's scary work sometimes. But the Spirit of the Lord compel us, motivate us to evangelize. We'll give you wisdom, keep you from sin, motivate us to evangelize. And number four, I was really convicted of this. Here the Lord will elevate our worship to a whole other level. Better musicians, better vocalists, smoke on the stage, bright colored lights, Fear of the Lord elevates our worship. When there is not a fear of the Lord, it is easy. Fall into being entertained. Fall into doing something that's a little fun. That's why we complain about the music. We didn't like it. That's why we complain about the... I don't know why my son played that guitar so bad today. I'm just kidding. The vocalists, did you hear? They were a little flat. Are you serious? We hear it all the time. Those things do not elevate a worship from a heart that is in awe and fears God. It may make it a little easier if it's really bad. But really, a fear of the Lord is what elevates our worship. If it's not, it's just trivialized. It becomes entertainment. I, this morning, because I knew what I'd been studying all week, I was worshiping. I was just trying to imagine Jesus willingly walking to that cross. Not defending Himself at all. Taking a beating beyond what we can probably imagine. Laying there and letting Him nail Him to the cross. For me, trying to understand what kind of love that's demonstrating. So that my worship would truly represent the way I should love Him for what He did for me. Fear of the Lord and awe and a reverence of God will elevate our worship. Number five. This one surprised me. I hadn't thought of this verse this way before. Fear of the Lord will make us more like Jesus. Really. Look at Jesus. Did Jesus live in the fear of the Lord? Well, listen to these words about Him. In Isaiah chapter 11, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him. The rest of that verse says the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, and the spirit of strength. And then it says the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This is Jesus we're talking about. He feared the Lord. He delighted in his fear of the Lord. He delighted in the Father. He knew the Father intimately and knew what kind of God He was, what kind of Father He was, and He delighted in the Lord. He feared the Lord. He delighted in that fear. 
He wanted to do nothing more than what the Father told him to do. He didn't want to speak one word that the Father didn't tell him to speak. There was a fear of the Lord. When we fear the Lord, we're demonstrating a Christ-likeness. And obviously, if we didn't understand there's different types of fear, this one would make no sense at all. Jesus didn't worry. He wasn't filled with a fear that caused inner turmoil. Yes, he sweat great drops of blood in his walk to the cross. But he was not going to let the Father down. You know, I hesitate to always go here, but because you might lose the fact that I know God loves me. He loves you more than anything, unconditionally. But think about this for a second. Reality is, there's probably never been a generation that's heard more about how much God loves you and who believes it less. I mean, we deal with it constantly. God doesn't love me. How could He love me? Look what I've done. Look who I am. Look what I've been. God loves you. Yeah, but if there is a fear of the Lord and we understand what He did for us, demonstrating how much He loves us, there would be no doubt in our mind that He loves us. When we understand who He is, what He did, and why He did it for us, all these other things would pale in comparison. And we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt He loves us. That's where we need to be, and the fear of the Lord brings us to that place. Number six. It's a great one. Well, they're all great. Number six. Fear of the Lord drives away other fears. Fear of the Lord will deliver you from other fears. Psalms 112, verses 1 and 8. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. Two different types of fear. Blessed is the man who fears, reverences, awes, wonders in the Lord. For he will have no other fear that causes worry and anxiety. Controls his life in a negative way. That kind of fear. He's not going to live in fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, I had a pretty good day. How are you doing? I had a pretty good day. But oh, tomorrow, who knows what's coming? God. Right? What do we have to fear if we have a fear of the Lord? Knowing God. Knowing that He loves you. Knowing it is for you. Knowing that His plans for you are good. What else do we have to fear? And number seven, for us, probably as, as important as any of them, maybe all of them. Fear of the Lord will lead you to seek a mediator. Now remember, we're in Deuteronomy. You may not figure that out today. But they're all camped. Millions of people. Ready to enter the promised land where their forefathers were afraid to go. And Moses is going to great lengths to teach them. And chapter 5 kind of starts his second oration to them, his second speech to them, if you would. And what he's really going to try to instill in them is this fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. The good fear of the Lord. 
We talked last week. All the same challenges are over there. All those evil people are over there. All those walled cities are over there. Everything's over there. But, and he's really focusing on the fear of the Lord. And then he goes in verse 25 of chapter 5. The verse reads, The great fire will consume us. This is the people speaking to Moses. And we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. You've got to look at the context of this scripture. This is at Mount Sinai. Mount Horeb in some of your translations. What's taking place? God has come down on this mountain. And the mountain is basically on fire and just darkness because of all the smoke. Clouds of clouds of smoke. Thunders and lightning is taking place. And the whole mountain is shaking. Like an earthquake. That might bring a little fear of the Lord. And the people are like, "Uh uh-oh. We're not going up there. We're not going any closer. Moses, you've kind of been the intermediary. You keep doing it. You be the mediator between us and him because if we step on that mountain, we're going to die. And God says in this scripture, he says, yeah, Moses, I heard the people and they're right. I approve of what they said. Don't even let the priests come. Just you. Just you come. Come to the mountain. The people say to Moses, go and listen to all that the Lord our God says. And then you got, you tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you and we'll listen and obey. And Moses reminds them again that I have stood between the Lord and you before. And they say, I want you to continue, Moses, in, uh, Verse 28, chapter 5, it says, The Lord heard you when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I've heard what the people have said to you, and everything they said was good. It's a good thing to see that they need a mediator. Why is this so important? When we understand who God is, we understand who He is in totality as best we can. We understand He's a God of love, He's a God of justice, He's holy and He's righteous. That fear of the Lord grows in us and we see Him for who He is. It should drive us to understand this and if nothing else, understand this. We need a mediator just like the people did in the time of Moses. We need Him even worse. Before we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we stood condemned, destined for eternity in hell, separated from God. But Jesus came as that mediator between us and God. He came as a man and walked on the earth and He walked that path sinlessly to the cross and died for us. The Bible tells us clearly there is only one mediator between God and man and it's Jesus. Because Jesus is our mediator. When God looks at you and me, He looks at us through Christ. He looks at us through the cross. He looks at us through the blood of Jesus. And he declares, because of all that, he sees us as righteous and holy in his sight. Without that mediator, there was no way for any of us ever know God in a personal way. We would have all spent eternity separated from him in hell. Fear of the Lord will drive people to Jesus Christ. 
by His grace we receive the gift by faith. Salvation that comes through Him. Fortunately for all of us, we didn't have to have a Mount Sinai experience. What took place for us was on Calvary. That was sufficient. Then an amazing thing happened after Jesus was crucified, buried, rose again. He ascended. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Sinai, a whole mountain was on fire. Pentecost, it says, there was something like tongues of fire. And the Holy Spirit came and lived and dwelt in each one, just like He does us. The Lord loves us so much that He promised He'd never leave us nor forsake us, and He gave us His Spirit to live in us, to help us, to guide us in our walk, to bring glory to God. I want to close with a couple of script, more Scriptures. David, when he was crying out to God in Psalms 86, in verse, eight, uh, verse 11, it's kind of like where he framed his whole prayer to God. And he said these words, Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Later, we see his prayer answered with this great promise in the prophet Jeremiah who wrote these words in chapter 32, verses 38 and 39. It said, They will be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me for their own good and the good of their children after them. One of the promises of God giving us that heart, an undivided heart, that we might fear Him. We need to guard our heart so that it's not a divided heart. That we may fear Him, that it would be good for us and our children and their children's children. Let's pray. Worship team, if you want to come up. Lord, I, I pray this morning... As I've shared this message, I pray that you would guard each one's heart that they would hear and understand that love and a fear of the Lord are not separate. They go together. That because of your unconditional love, we should love you and fear you, hold you in a place of wonder, of awe and of reverence. Lord, I pray that in each one of us, by your Spirit, you would give, a greatest, give us greater understanding of that. Father, that we would not walk in that ungodly fear, but we would walk in the fear of the Lord, that it might be well for us, for our children and our children's children. That's this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, let's stand together and close with this song.